All right, guys, listener feedback. Uh, here at our inbox at primarycarepod at gmail.com. Uh, let's get to reading it. Hey, uh, Mark, I know you love physician jokes so much, so I got one for you. Here goes. Why does pathology have such a low suicide rate? Answer, it's hard to jump out the basement window. All right, let's start the podcast. The Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because every time I get a podcast... I get podcast fluenza, so I don't get them anymore. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Uh, so today we're going to take an interesting approach to talking about influenza vaccines. Uh, I think we've all been beaten over the head with influenza discussion forever, so I'm going to try and take it a new direction, and I want to uh, attack some more controversial parts of the influenza uh, vaccine debate. Um, not even really a debate, but more of a discussion about uh, what's the evidence? Uh, what do the science actually say? Uh, just because I think even as somebody who recommends all p of their patients get influenza vaccines, I think it's important to know kind of the justification about why or why not. Maybe that's a good recommendation uh, and kind of, uh, you know, get into some of the fine nitty gritty points that I think are really interesting. So uh, I'm my goal for today is to make this a short one where we talk about um, not the boring parts of the influenza vaccine, but some of the more fun topics. So uh, let's jump into it. Uh, some background uh, information, obviously, we need to address first. So let's start with the big one. Uh, who needs the flu vaccine? Uh, the CDC says all persons aged age six months and older are recommended for annual vaccinations with only rare exceptions. And who are those rare exceptions? Well, the people who um, are too young or have severe life-threatening allergies to flu vaccines or any ingredient in the vaccination. So again, uh, this is pretty limited. Uh, pretty much everyone in the opinion of the CDC should get one. This is also backed up with, let me pull it open here, uh, with AAFP, uh, our own uh, bo governing body here in family medicine, uh, says that all here, uh, all persons aged six months and above without contraindications should be vaccinated for influenza. Okay, so uh, pretty in accordance there. Uh, what does the WHO say? So the WHO actually has a position of uh, for countries, uh, basically any children, uh, ages six months through 60 months or 59 months specifically, so just uh, under five years old, or any elderly person, 65 years of age, individuals with specific chronic medical conditions and healthcare workers should be vaccinated. Um, it says that other countries with, ex with additional uh, influenza groups should continue these programs uh, and incorporate um, immunization of pregnant women into such programs. Uh, let's look at some of the Europeans. And this is where we start seeing some uh, difference in flu vaccine recommendations. For example, in the United Kingdom, according to their website that I'm looking at here, uh, pediatric patients ages 2 through 7, it is recommended for all patients. And then only limited patients uh, between the ages of really 15 through 45. And then uh, elderly patients, uh, definitely they recommend. And in fact, all European countries come to the conclusion, except for uh, Lithuania and Sweden, uh, Lithuania and Sweden are the only ones who do not recommend that 
uh, all patients over the age of 65 get vaccinated. Uh, all patients in the rest of Europe over the 65 are recommended vaccinations. Uh, this is lowered actually to age 60 in several countries. Germany, Greece, Hungary, Iceland, for example, Austria being another one, um, Malta, Netherlands, Poland, Slovakia, uh, and Slovenia are all in the group where this extends even younger than 65 into the 60s. Now, when we look at pediatric recommendations, it's all over the board. For example, uh, Sweden has only high-risk individuals recommended. Uh, Greece, similar things. Czech Republic and Croatia, very similar. When we look at places like France, Germany, Italy, Norway, Portugal, and Spain, they do not have specific recommendations for most healthy or, uh, in general, uh, any children or adolescents, and even in through adulthood, not recommended to get the flu vaccine. So why is this? Well, the evidence behind flu vaccines is really, really, really strong for geriatric populations. Uh, pretty clear reduction in morbidity, uh, reduction in disease processes, and efficacy is definitely uh, appropriate there. In very high-risk people, so, you know, the very young under the age of five, there's good evidence to, present to prevent hospitalizations. And in the people with chronic diseases, uh, really poorly controlled diabetics, immunosuppressed, uh, lung disease, uh, respiratory diseases uh, like asthma, COPD, uh, these type of patients, uh, lung disease, kidney disease, sorry, I said lung disease multiple times, liver disease, kidney disease. There are several other processes, severe cardiac disease, where there are probably some uh, evidence, if not expert recommendation, that these people be vaccinated for influenza. But the evidence for the average healthy adult to get influenza vaccination is actually really, really, really poor. Um, we mostly do it as a means to protect uh, the other people in our lives who are at risk for influenza. But the evidence to support somebody who's a non-healthcare worker to get influenza vaccination who's otherwise healthy, 35-year-old patient, um, it, it's, it's, it's really bad. Uh, there's not a ton of evidence to say that that's super helpful. Now, why is that? Well, it's because the flu vaccine in general is pretty crap. Now, this is not a surprise to anybody who knows about the flu vaccine, but we're not talking about the same type of efficacy as we see with childhood vaccinations. Um, here's from the CDC's website. CDC, if you go to, the, they have a really, really great chart, actually. If you Google uh, CDC seasonal flu vaccine effectiveness, they have this beautiful graph about the, uh, the effectiveness in the past 10 years. And I want to read the percent effectiveness of the flu vaccine, okay, uh, from year to year. 2004, 2005, 10%. 2005, 21%. 2006, 50%. 2007, 37%, 2008, 41%. And then we have a run of a couple of good years, 2009, 2010, 56 and 60%. And then we have 47%, 49%, 50%. In 2014, we all remember we had a 19% effective flu shot. 48%, 40%, 38%, and 29% last year. So why is this? Well, we all know it's hard to predict what type of strain is going to be in the influenza uh the strain of the major influenza virus that's going to be floating around, hard to predict that in advance. And additionally, then there's antigenic drift as it is in the community and in the population. So our vaccines are always pretty bad. Historically, the data says that effectiveness is around 50 or 60%. But it's apparently in the past decade and two decades in this, in this well, 15 years in this uh, select group of data on the CDC website, much lower than 50 or 60%. So the next flu vaccine topic I want to talk about is the timing of when to get the flu vaccine, which has always been an enigma to me. 
Okay, so is it too soon to get your flu shot? Is it possible to wait too long? So we all know that, yes, it is very much, uh, there is, it is possible to wait too long to get your flu shot. It takes at least two weeks to build up enough of an immune system response from the vaccination to have it be uh, effective. Um, and of course, if you wait until, you know, end of December and January when fl flu season typically takes off, you will be too late uh, to get your flu vaccine. However, uh, some people are getting vaccinated in early September. Okay, uh, you start seeing flu flu shot signs out in front of Hy-Vee. You know, we typically get ours in the clinic around that time. Uh, employee uh, flu shots start happening in October. But is it too early to get your flu shot? Or is there such a thing to get your flu shot too early? I've always been told or I've always assumed that the answer was no. So here is a study from the CDC in 2017. And it estimated that after that, after that two-week window, uh, for every block of 28 days after vaccination, there was about a 7% decline in vaccine protection. Okay, interesting. So uh, if you get your vaccine on October 1st, by mid-November, uh, mid it's 93% effective. By mid-December, it's 86% effective. If we keep going on to mid-January, it's only 79% as effective as it was. If we go to mid-February, that's 72% effective. And even into March, then we get into the 60%. Now, that's probably not as big of a factor um, as just the antigenic drifting from within the season uh, and the fact that it changes from what we predict until what it gets to us. So, you know, we miss some of the subtypes. And it's really difficult in general to predict uh, the influenza strain that's going to be around. But again, so imagine if we have influenza B, we have a good match of influenza B, and we don't get a influenza B comes around until uh, end of February, maybe even early March. We're talking low 70% from baseline effectiveness just based on the immune system response. So again, pretty interesting. Now, that was from the CDC. A study from Kaiser Permanente Vaccine Study Center published this spring in 2019 suggested that the erosion was more rapid, up to 16% for every block of 28 days. So basically double that from what the CDC predicted. So again, then we're looking at, you know, 84%, then we're looking at 60% by, by January. I mean, we're talking about a significant decline if you get your flu shot in September or October 1st. So this may uh, change how I get vaccinated and when I get my own vaccinations, and it may change when I get my children's vaccinations. So um, I find this to be very interesting. Uh, again, you have a two-week window. We need that two weeks to build a, uh, an immunity. Um, but then after that, it's, uh, it does, in fact, decline over time. So obviously, flu vaccines are never going to be as effective as things like MMR, uh, pneumonia, etc. We're never going to get the same protection and coverage. So I don't think that we should necessarily defend and equate uh, flu vaccines to the same level of childhood vaccinations. They're still very valuable. They still definitely save lives. They definitely still reduce hospitalizations, especially in at-risk populations, for example, 65 plus, the very young, the very old, the very sick, those with chronic medical conditions. But for the average person, statistically, it doesn't do a ton aside from protecting us against losing time out of work, which does have some economic benefit in the country. So while I'm not disagreeing with necessarily recommending that all patients above the age of six months get vaccinated every year, 
I think it's important to realize that 45% of the U.S. population on the average year gets a flu shot. And that's more than any country in the world. Again, they have different recommendations than we do. Many countries do. So even despite this 45%, we still get influenza outbreaks every single year. It's, it's, it hasn't changed. 45% is definitely never going to be enough, especially with the low efficacy rates uh, to ever cause anything close to herd immunity effect. Uh, but locally, as an individual provider, I think it's our duty to get it done. But I, I'm never, I've never been a huge stickler about making sure that 100% of my patients get flu shots. And maybe that's bad practice. Maybe that's bad medicine. But I just don't think the science supports that stance. Obviously, to be clear, I'm not advocating against getting flu vaccines. They're still good. Just, mm, I, I'm skeptical of, of borderline good medical treatments. And I think flu vaccine falls under the suboptimal medical treatment category. You know, best we have, but yeah, it's still not great. Uh, what about other treatments? Well, you know, there's Bloxavir, which is the new single-dose uh, flu treatment, uh, antiviral, and of course, we got, you know, old Tamiflu. Uh, my thoughts on them are that they're pretty garbage, and they are completely garbage if you start after 48 hours. If within 48 hours, they're you know, they knock off on average 18 hours if you look at all the studies combined, but knocks about 18 hours off the course. So instead of being sick for five days, you're sick for four and a quarter of a day. So, I, I mean, is it really that beneficial? Yeah, I guess. Um, flu sucks, and I guess it decreases complications. So obviously anybody in the high-risk groups, you're going to give it to them no matter what. Um, you know, the bigger debate is, is it beneficial for prophylaxis to prevent the flu? Again, if you're high-risk, yeah, for sure. Um, if you're directly exposed to it. Um, if you're no risk or low risk, yeah, probably, probably. Again, I, I, I'd say I, I would, I would argue that you shouldn't be on prophylaxis, but um, you know that's a debate. Um, in terms of the overall effectiveness, if you get it within a couple of hours after onset of symptoms, there's some real benefit, and the the faster you start the antivirals, the better. Now, I actually think that we should be putting rapid influenza tests in pharmacies. There should be questionnaire-based testing. Uh, pharmacies should be able to do the nasal swabs and tell patients, yes, you're positive for influenza. No, you're not positive for influenza. We should then offer over-the-counter or behind-the-counter Tamiflu, right? I, I don't think, it, I think it should be a behind-the-counter drug. Um, I feel like it by the time it takes a person to get into an urgent care or their doctor's office during busy influenza season, you're gonna you're also exposing all of your other patients to influenza unnecessarily, right? We have we're in the midst right now of an influenza outbreak, right? Happens every single year, and every single year, my patients in the waiting room with influenza are supposed to be wearing a mask, but they walk in without a mask. And some of them don't wear a mask and they're exposing all my other patients that come in for their chronic disease visits and their physicals and all the other rechecks to influenza. And you know what? We all know they probably have influenza. And if you call me on the phone and you have those symptoms during an outbreak, you probably have influenza. And again, do you even need Tamiflu? Probably not. You're probably calling me 48 hours later, et cetera, et cetera. But for people that really feel like they're getting it down, getting coming down with something, having it at the pharmacy behind the counter. Uh, you have to get a positive influenza test at the pharmacy. There's too much money at stake. There's too many other economics at stake. Yes, there's chance for influenza to become resistant to Tamiflu or Biloxivir, 
but I mean, we're already that we're going that route anyways. And again, there's not that much benefit in the in the first place. So whether or not it becomes resistant or not, it's not the end of the world. Now, again, are there side effects? Sure, GI side effects, psychiatric side effects, but it's not any worse than anything else that's behind the counter. For example, like Sudafed. So again, I if I had my druthers, if I was in charge of it, that's what I'd push. But that's probably a whole different podcast topic. Um, I don't think anything I said was controversial today. Maybe it is. I doubt it. Uh, but if you want to talk about anything else about flu vaccines, let me know. Otherwise, I think we've all been beaten the head, beaten over the head with flu vaccine and Tamiflu stuff over the course of our careers. That this is kind of probably unnecessary. But hopefully, had some interesting takes. Probably, hopefully, learned some things about international flu policy and uh, maybe got some. Uh, more insight in, insight into uh, influenza vaccines and treatment. So uh, in lieu of a uh, outro today, um, we are just going to say uh, uh, if you have any questions or concerns, any any problems, anything else you want to talk about, uh, always feel free to email me at primarycarepod at gmail.com. And otherwise, we're working on the CME behind the scenes. Sorry it's taking so long, so I'm going to stop promising it until it happens. And then uh, we're going to sign off by saying, remember, you don't have to stay up all night to stay up to date. Thanks and have a great day.